couple months ago when Pastor Mark was putting together the schedule. It's kind of like baseball. To use a baseball analogy, since Pastor Mark seems to like baseball and this team up in the upper Midwest called Chicago, White Sox, I think it's called, or something like that. <laughs> or the St. Louis Cardinals, I'm not sure, Milwaukee Brewers, one of those teams. He put together the, the schedule and he sent it out. And I was so excited for the series that we are in right now, to bless the rains in Africa. But then a few weeks later, when he sent the lineups out to see who would be preaching in which series, I was left on the bench. I wasn't listed in the lineup for this series, Bless the Rains in Africa. And I was, I was really kind of disappointed. But like I did in December, when I wanted to preach on Christmas Eve, I deployed Pastor Mark to Djibouti. I thought, how can I get in the lineup? So after some deliberation and prayer and thoughtfulness, I thought, I know what I can do. So I got Pastor Albertson a call to Texas. And there was an opening in the lineup. And I was called, hey, Pastor, can you fill in for this series? Yeah, of course, I'd love to fill in to this series. But, and I just, of course. But I am super excited to be able to bring you God's word as we continue our series with Bless the Rains in Africa. Now, the first service, I was super surprised by the number of people that knew the song associated with this sermon series. So by show of hands, I see some people dancing already. By show of hands, who knows which song this is associated with? Pretty good, pretty good. And I was surprised that this past week when I was putting this together, I was playing this, my teenage daughter said, of course, I know that song. That song's from the 80s, and she wasn't even born until 20 years after that song came out, but it warms my heart that this generation is also being blessed by Toto and Bless the Rains in Africa. So, so the sermon uh, text for today that... Uh, Sonia's Genki duo this morning, a reference is from uh, Exodus 3, 1 to 14. Allow me to read. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw, though, the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jezebites. 
and now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Have you ever felt dry inside? Kind of a strange question to ask, because when we think about our insides, it's filled with liquid stuff. Blood and guts and gushy, gooey stuff fills our insides, so we really don't think about our insides being dry. But how about the emotions? Emotions that are hollow and empty. Have you ever felt dry, emotionally dry? You get home from work and you sit down to watch the evening news and you see stories of tragedy, you see broken families, you see communities in decay, you see wars around the world, and you're like, yeah, but so what? My life is hard. I'm having a challenging time, and, he, and we have a difficult time having empathy for those outside of our, our inner circle, outside of us, and we're dry inside. Ever feel like there's an elephant standing on your chest? Through the loss of life and the brokenness of life and the anxieties of life, it's as if an elephant is pressing down upon our chest it chokes out our breathing, and we're dry and brittle. And worse of yet, abandoned by God. So often we attribute that saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me to, to Jesus on the cross? But it was actually written by King David Centuries beforehand, Psalm 22, and David writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. At some point in our lives, all of us have cried out those words, whether verbally and vocally or, or internally. Life is tough. And we cry out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I so dry in the inside? Oops. That little red dot? Little Red Dot is in Africa. If you look at the slide, you can barely see the outline of Africa. And if you go to that red dot, that's the country of Niger. 
It's in the, just south of the Sahara Desert, part of the country is in there, so it's a very arid, dry land. And in 2016, I was privileged to visit there multiple times as I cared for the airmen and soldiers assigned to Air Base 101 and 201 in Agadez and Niamey. And what surprised me, the very first time I visited in March of 2016, was how dry and arid that land was. That was too fast. And it'll catch up. There it is. How dry and arid that land was. That bottom center picture was a dust storm. Taken about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Couldn't see across from one tent to another tent. The dust and dryness was just so heavy and thick. Barren, desolate, dry. The children of Israel knew what dryness was. For 400 plus years, they were being enslaved by the Egyptians, being forced to build an empire. Their lips were parched, their skin was dry and cracked and broken, and they were experiencing dryness. And this is where our text comes in for today. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So finally, after 400 years, God has seen their sufferings, had heard their cries, and he's going to step in and do something about it. He was going to take care of their dryness. But, but how? How was God going to respond? Is he going to respond in power? To come out from the heavens and come down to Egypt and smite the Egyptians down and, and rescue his people? Or was he going to come in might, flash across the heavens so that all the world could see the God of the universe and the Egyptians would bow down and worship him and free his people? He doesn't respond in power, doesn't respond in might, but rather he responds in four very simple words. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses was in a little uh, conundrum. He was going to go back to the people of Israel and say, hey, the God of your forefathers, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, remember those guys from centuries ago? Yeah, that God has called me to deliver you from Israel, or from Egypt. And the people say, okay, what's this God's name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
He responds in four simple letters. The Hebrew word for I am who I am. The name Yahweh. Very simple. I am who I am. It's used 6,800 times in the Old Testament. But it's not the name of God that is mighty and powerful and creating. That's the name Elohim. In Genesis 1, 1, when it says God created the heavens and the earth, that was Elohim. This happens a chapter later in Genesis 2 where, where God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and gave him life. That was Yahweh. And it became so significant and so important and special in the life of the, the Israelites that they would not utter it in public. They would, whenever they saw the word Yahweh in the sacred text, they would read Adonai as not to utter the name, the intimate name of God. So special, so significant that the intimate God of the universe, the one that gave life to Adam, was now going to be with Moses and deliver the people from slavery. So how does God respond to our dryness? Does he respond in power? Does he come down and smite those who offend us? If we have a bad day at work and someone gives us a, a snide comment, does God just wipe them out so they're not there the next day? Your spouse is arguing and quarreling with you and nagging. Does he just wipe him off the face of the earth in power? Or how about might? Does he flash across the sky in this world that's just spiraling down morally and ethically so that the whole world would see the mightiness of God? Or does he respond in four simple words? More than four simple letters, but four simple words of, I love you. Wait a minute, chaplain. I love you. That's only three letters, three words, and you said there was four words. I'm glad you're a chaplain and not an engineer, because if you had 75% completion rate in designing a plane or a bridge, they would crash to the ground. I love you, Quentin. I love you, Bill. I love you, Tom. I love you, Beth. I love you, Angie. I love you, Shelly. Put your name in that blank. I love you, and put your name. So often we express that God loves us or, and we say God loves you, but we don't personalize it. Yahweh, the intimate God of the heavens, loves you. He loves you. He replenishes you, he encourages you, he fills you with his spirit. And when we do the things that we don't want to do and we do say the things that we shouldn't say, my grace is sufficient. We don't have to beat ourselves up, we don't have to flog ourselves, we don't have to grovel on our knees to the mighty God of the universe. His grace is sufficient for us. And then when life gets all topsy-turvy and the chaos and crises hit, 
Friends are hospitalized. People are losing jobs. God says, peace be with you. Four simple words given by his spirit to replenish us, to encourage us, to restore us, to make our dryness into lushness. Remember those pictures I showed you of the dry, barren land of Niger? Six months later, that's the same land. That's the same area that was replenished by a little bit of rain. From dryness to a lush vegetation, life-giving vegetation, life-giving crops, life-giving water for sustenance for those who inhabit the land. From barrenness and dryness to lushness. So too, God, in our life, with four simple words, I love you, my grace is sufficient for you, peace be with you, takes us to that. So often we want to dwell on this, but God wants us to dwell on that. Through word and sacrament, forgiveness and renewal, God's spirit comes to us to replenish our dryness, to encourage us to continue our journey of faith as we share Jesus Christ with our family and friends, our neighbors and co-workers, so that their dryness, like our dryness, can be made lush with the Spirit of God. Let us pray. Gracious God, it is a joy to know that your spirit comes into our lives to take our dryness and give us lushness. Be with us now as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.